1: Thank you for coming along. Uh, it's another Growing in Grace podcast. I'm Joel the Man, along with Mike the Gap Kepler, and uh, getting set to share the good news here, the good news of Jesus Christ, the grace of God and the love of God. Sometimes there are some uh, difficult things to understand in the bible when we don't look at them in context and that that's one thing we've been trying to do here last week we'll do some more of that uh, this week especially you know when it comes to the words of jesus you know he says some pretty hard things you know cut off your hand gouge out your eye you're in danger of hellfire if you hate somebody or if you're angry with somebody you know that type of thing and uh, we talked a little bit about that uh, last week. Maybe we'll move on with some more stuff this week. How's uh, Mister Kapler doing this time around?
0: Hey, Joel, always good to be on the podcast. I, I just I, I enjoy thinking this stuff out. I should have this, you on the... more often. No, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I guess you know not all of them. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just following in your footsteps, man. <laughs> uh, walk beside me and be my friend, as the picture says. <laughs> uh, I realize that you may not have caught last week's podcast. I, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Otherwise, I'm afraid you're going to pick up in the middle of something here and, and misunderstand some things that we're saying. We, we were starting uh, out last week a little bit, talking more about uh, Jesus and his purpose with the Sermon on the Mount. Some good things were brought out there, and I think we just need to kind of pick up from where we left off, because here Jesus was uh, telling these, his Jewish audience some things about what the law stated you shall not commit adultery, but everyone that looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. So essentially, if you have had anger with somebody, it's equivalent to murder. If you've looked at somebody with the wrong intent, then it's uh, equal to the act of adultery and so on. And before that, Joel, one thing I wanted to point out, Jesus said if and again, in context here, he's speaking to Jewish people under the law, not Gentiles who were never a part of that law. And, and here's another example of it. You can see it. He says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the, at the what? At the altar. It's, it's Jewish terminology here. Animal sacrifices and, and different ceremonial things that would occur at the altar. And, and you're there at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering. Don't take it with you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So it wasn't enough just to forgive Joel. If you all of a sudden realized that somebody had something against you for whatever reason, you needed to go and try to be reconciled. That was also part of the law. And so here you would be, you'd be seeking forgiveness from God with your animal sacrifice or whatever. But in order for the sacrifice to be valid, you would need to seek the forgiveness or offer forgiveness if the case may be to another with whom there was a division. So again, speaking to Jewish people under the law, this was not Gentile lingo here, and he just keeps on going. You know I mean, I want to get you in here on this, Joel, but I'll introduce it because you already referred to it. So Jesus is saying all this stuff, right, about the law and the commandments. And he's not adding anything to it, like we said last week. It's, it's just the law magnified. And then he says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, pluck it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your body parts than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it away it's better for you to lose one of your body parts than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, those legalists out there who who want to continue to adhere to the commands and try to live by them, the commands that don't bring life, right? Mm-hmm. They will say, well, he didn't really mean what he said here. It's a metaphor. It's, a, it's an exaggeration, a shock value situation here. Well, what about the stuff he said before and after it? Why are we picking and choosing what Jesus meant? And I, I think my point here is, Joel, that Jesus meant this. I'm not advocating people go cut off body parts, but Jesus meant everything he said in this sermon and all of it needs to be applied to what he was saying. It's not an exaggeration. His purpose here, again, I'm not attempting to suggest that people go out and cut off body parts, but everything that Jesus said in this teaching is not meant to be a life application for us under the new covenant he was simply attempting to illustrate their only hope under that old jewish covenant in meeting the demands of the law and avoiding sin was to start removing body parts because the law demanded perfection
1: right yeah you know you know cap in the within the last year or so we were um, cited in a uh, a certain book Against hyper-grace, this hyper-grace stuff. <laughs> we, yeah. were, as, we were accused, essentially, of uh, running from the words of Jesus. And that's a quote, actually, running from the words of Jesus. And here's the thing, what you were just saying there. We actually are looking at the words of Jesus here with high esteem. We really do hold what Jesus said in high esteem. We, Like you said, we believe he meant everything that he said. And these people who tell us that we're running from the words of jesus are they actually looking at what jesus said with that much esteem that they actually take him literally they take him seriously uh, when he says things like if you look at a woman with lust you've committed adultery with her in 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 your heart it, i mean are, are like you say it's those people who are picking and choosing what jesus is saying. Maybe they think that they can live up to certain things that he says, and so they'll pick out those ones, and they'll put down other people who they don't think are living up to those specific words of Jesus. But they're really the ones who are picking and choosing. And it's the same with the law, the law of Moses. We hold God's law, all 613 commandments, in high esteem. Uh, We're not saying that God's law is no good. We're not saying that God's law is bad. Oh, just forget about God's law. Just forsake that. Just forget about that. That has nothing to do with anything. No, we're saying that God's law is so high and lofty that we look at it and say, wow, look how good, holy, and just God's law is. And look at how impossible it is for anybody to possibly keep it. That's really the esteem that we hold God's law in. You know, We go along with Romans 3.31, that says, do we then make void the law through faith? Of course not. We're not making the law void through faith. We're establishing the law. In other words, we're looking at how big, mighty, and powerful the law is, so to speak, how good, holy, and just it is, and we're saying, man, I can't do that. I need to turn to faith in Jesus Christ because I can't uphold the law, but he did. I can't keep the law, but he did, and now... He died, and he rose again from the dead. He is now in me, and I'm in him. The righteous requirements of the law are met in me, not because I keep the law, but because he did, and because he came to live in me. That is really up, you know, holding the law to its proper standard. If you're looking at the law thinking I can do certain things in the law, then <laughs> you're kidding yourself. You're just fooling yourself, thinking that there's some possible way that you can keep God's law. What God wants us to do is, uh, through the law, turn to faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Yes, and that ministry of the Spirit will lead and guide us to bear fruit for God instead of fruit for death, as Paul said with the law. Mm -hmm. But again, removing body parts under that covenant, under that law, that's what would have been required in order to meet the, the perfect righteous requirement of that covenant. And it's, you can call it a form of sarcasm or whatever if you want to, and certainly the people who were there listening to him, well, they, they may not have really fully understood the, the point of what he was trying to say, but I, obviously they didn't take him literally here, or at least they chose not to. Uh, they were trying to probably put it all together. I mean, otherwise we would have had people walking away from the Sermon on the Mount maimed and probably would have been seeking healing from Jesus afterwards. Could have been one of his biggest healing ministries uh, <laughs> after the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> People had listened to every word. But but he goes on and, and finishes off Matthew chapter 5, and the sermon goes for two more chapters, by the way. But he goes on uh, elevating the law and showing them, here's what you really need to do. You You've heard it said, and I'm telling you, this is what it's really saying. And so... At the end of Matthew chapter 5, because I know we'll be running out of time here pretty soon, but he summarized the beginning of this sermon with this. You are to be perfect. He said, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As if it wasn't already discouraging enough up to that point. Well, I got to do all this. I got to avoid all that. I thought I understood the law, and, and he seems to be making it even harder. Man, this is this is a real burden. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, the law does require perfection perfection, as your Father is perfect. And so there you have it. I mean, perfection is what the law required, but the law could not provide it.
1: Yeah, all that the law can do, if we don't say this enough on the podcast, and we probably don't uh, because I you know, I think some people— I think people who listen to this podcast understand it, but a lot of people in the Church don't necessarily seem to understand it, that all that the law can do is it can make a person guilty— all it can do is find fault with us the law is so good just and holy that when a person stands in front of god's good just and holy law the only thing that they can find through the law is accusation condemnation and guilt that's all that the law can do that's what the law was put there to do you know romans 3:19 says that whatever the law says it says to those who are under the law that all that every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. That's really what the law was meant to do. It was meant to stop malice. And if you look at this, these words of Jesus, I mean, uh, when you get to the end of, uh, I think it's Matthew 7, uh, somewhere near this end, uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it says, yeah, right at the end of Matthew 7, verse 28, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. It is teaching that's probably an understatement (laughs) it stopped their mouths if anybody thought that through the law they were doing all right it was like uh uh uh, the i i you you know it just stops their mouths you can't say anything because it says that because jesus taught with authority he was saying all these things with authority and so uh, we fully respect and honor the words of Jesus here, as one who taught this with authority, again, for the purpose that he was teaching it for, uh, and that was to stop mouths, uh, show people how guilty they really were, and so ultimately, as uh, Galatians says, that they will be led through the tutor of the law to faith in Jesus Christ. About a minute or so left, Cap.
0: Okay. Well, you're right. Their boasting days were over with their mouths closed. They had nothing else to, to brag about. But the the difference here is that in Christ, we have been perfected. We were just talking about this perfect requirement here. And actually, when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, it's a word in the Greek very much like this word perfect. Uh, And so we have been perfected, but it's not by what you and I have done or will try to do, and it's certainly not by following commands that we can't keep, that we Gentiles were never under. You may not have noticed, but during the sermon, Jesus kind of scolded the Jews when he said, you think you're justified by doing this, and I'm telling you the law says this. Even the Gentiles can do what you're doing. That was an insult. The Gentile, you're comparing <laughs> us, the Jews, uh, the, the chosen people of God, the salt of the earth, you're, you're, you're accusing us of being like the Gentiles? That was a low blow. This sermon wasn't for the Gentiles, neither was the law. We, we, were, we Gentiles were without a covenant we were without God in the world, uh, and, and so on. So, but the, the, the bottom line here is we have been perfected in Christ through faith in Him. And uh, we're going to finish up some more of this next week. I, I hope you can find time to uh, pick up on it at growingandgrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski.